Hi everybody and welcome to the ninth episode of our podcast. Today is Saturday, at least I think it is. Uh, So happy weekend everybody. Uh, Gemma asked me what emotional and psychological trauma was about and how it might affect our lives. Now this is a very difficult subject to put into a podcast because of both the time restraints and the fact that it is a complicated subject. And of course, because we all deal with our experience of trauma differently. So please forgive me as I must generalize it in this podcast. I suppose I hope to give us a basis that might encourage each of us to go and take a further look at it and maybe to develop it within ourselves. So when bad things happen to us, it can take a while to get over the pain and feel safe again. However, with a little bit of work, we can gain strategies and support to speed up our recovery. So let's take a look at what emotional and psychological trauma is about. And I know I've covered this in an earlier podcast, but because the question has been asked again, I decided to go over it maybe slightly differently. So, okay, emotional and psychological trauma is the result of unusually stressful events that can either shatter our sense of safety or security. And this, of course, makes us feel very helpless in a dangerous world, or at least we feel it's a dangerous world. Now, psychological trauma can leave us, I suppose, struggling with upsetting emotions, memories and even anxiety, and they won't go away easily. It can also leave us feeling quite numb, disconnected or dislodged, and we might even find it a little bit more difficult to be able to trust people. Traumatic experiences can often involve a threat to our life or safety. However, any situation that would leave us feeling overwhelmed or uncomfortable or even isolated can be the result of trauma and even leave us feeling that we're still experiencing the trauma. Remember that. Even if it doesn't involve physical harm, it's the threat that causes the problem. It's not the actual circumstances that determine whether or not an event is traumatic but our individual emotional experience of that event so the more frightened the more scared or the more helpless we feel the more likely we will be traumatized so what would cause emotional or psychological trauma well it can be one-time events uh, like uh, we'll say an accident or an injury or even a violent attack especially if it's unexpected or happened in childhood. Uh, Give us another one. Um, Ongoing, unrelated stress. And this could be living in a high crime area, battling a life-threatening illness, or experiencing traumatic events that occur repeatedly, such as bullying or domestic violence or childhood neglect. It also can include commonly overlooked causes. For example, think of surgery, especially in the first three years of your life. The sudden death of somebody, the breakup of a relationship, and a significant relationship at that. Or even a humiliating or deeply disappointing experience where somebody was deliberately cruel towards us. Coping with the trauma of a natural or man-made disaster we know can present quite a unique challenge for us. Even if we were not directly involved 
in the event itself. So for example, it's highly unlikely that any of us will ever be the direct victims of a terrorist attack or a plane crash or a mass shooting. However, we are all constantly bombarded almost daily by the horrific images on social media and in the news of those people who have been. Now when we see these images over and over again, we can create our own traumatic stress by overwhelming our nervous system. So whatever the cause of our trauma is, whether it happened years ago or yesterday, we can actually make changes in our lives that help us to heal and help us to move forward with our life. So let's take a little look at the symptoms of emotional trauma. Now we know that not everyone will react to trauma in the same way. However, there are some common signs. For example, cognitive changes. These would be intrusive thoughts or nightmares and possibly flashbacks to that event. Feelings of confusion or difficulty with memory or concentration and possibly even mood swings. What about altered behavioural patterns? Now, I suppose this is where we might try avoiding people and places that would remind us of that experience. We might also begin by withdrawing from family or friends and maybe even withdraw from activities that we once enjoyed. What about the psychological concerns? This is where anxiety and panic attacks, uh, fear, anger, irritability obsessions and compulsions, shock and disbelief, emotional numbing and detachment, depression, shame and guilt, especially if the person dealing with the trauma survived while others didn't, come into play. We're also very conscious that it's not just internal changes that can occur, but we can also have physical changes or symptoms, and these could possibly include like feeling dizzy or faint, with stomach tightening and churning and excess sweating, maybe trembling or shaking, experiencing cold sweats, having a lump in your throat or feeling choked up. What about rapid breathing with a pounding heart or even chest pains or difficulty breathing? And even maybe racing thoughts, being unable to rest or stop pacing. We may also have difficulty concentrating or focusing we might have memory problems or confusion. We might also have changes in our sleep pattern. We may experience insomnia or nightmares. And what about the unexplained aches and pains? That would include headaches and changes in sexual function. What about the loss or increase in an appetite? Or excessive consumption of alcohol, nicotine or drugs? Now when we know that traumatic events can happen to anyone. We are much more likely to be traumatized by an event if we're already under a heavy stress load, or if we've suffered a series of losses, or if we've been traumatized before, especially if the earlier trauma has occurred in childhood. Because our childhood trauma can result from anything that disrupts the child's sense of safety, which might include an unstable or unsafe environment the separation of a single parent, or the separation of both parents, a serious illness, or an intrusive medical procedure, sexual, physical, or verbal abuse. 
if we've witnessed or been part of domestic violence and neglect. Now, while I might consider trauma as a child may not be what another person would consider trauma, we have to be very careful when people open up to us with their story. When we experience trauma as a child, it can result in severe and long-lasting effects. For example, a childhood trauma that is not resolved. The sense of fear and helplessness may carry over into our teenage years and even into our adult lives, which will set the stage for further trauma. Remember something else, that even if our trauma happened many, many years ago, there are steps we can take today to overcome the pain and learn to trust again and to connect with others again. But more importantly, we can regain our sense of emotional balance. So what about the symptoms of psychological trauma? Now, as I said earlier, we can all react to trauma in different ways, experiencing a wide range of physical and emotional reactions. And let me say here that there is no right or wrong way to think, feel or react. So do not judge yourself on those reactions, nor must you judge those of other people. Your reactions are normal reactions to an abnormal event. Okay, emotional and psychological symptoms. Shock, denial or disbelief. Confusion and difficulty concentrating. Anger, irritability, mood swings, anxiety and fear, guilt, shame and self-blame, feeling sad or hopeless, feeling disconnected or numb, which may cause us to withdraw from others. So what about the physical symptoms? Well, on both of these, both emotional and psychological symptoms, the physical element of that would be insomnia or nightmares feeling very fatigued. We may be startled easily. We might even have difficulty concentrating or focusing. Our heart feels like it's going a mile a minute. Edginess or agitation. Aches and pains, outside of any medical issues that is. And muscle tension. Let me give you a little bit of general knowledge on how psychological trauma can affect the brain. Now the progress has been made around x-rays and MRIs and CAT scans and they've all enabled us to learn more about how trauma impacts the brain. We know from our experience that when the effects of a trauma persists it puts the nervous system off balance which then creates a prolonged fight or flight reaction. The nervous system in turn will either check out when it should be active or will kick into the cruise control gear when it should be at rest which will then cause the symptoms that I've listed above. I think somewhere along the line, I've read that some research has been done where researchers have compared the brains of trauma survivors to those who have not been traumatized. The results are long and boring, obviously, but the nub of it all is that they've come to the conclusion that post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, will affect the part of the brain that is associated with memory, emotion, thought, sense of self, and conflict resolution. Now please forgive me for this, but some of these names I can't pronounce, but I'll give it a go. The hippocampus, amygdala, 
and the anterior sinulate cortex. There's a mouthful. Because of the changes in the metabolic activity, the neurotransmitter levels and the neuron health may contribute to the highlighted levels of stress that trauma survivors experience. In other words, in simple terms that I understand, you will feel like crap until you deal with it. So I suppose what we must do is to learn how to respond as adults and not react as a child because of our trauma. And if you think about it, it's the time spent trying to clear the rubble and repair any damage after a disaster that can be frustrating. And so too is the same for a traumatic event or experience. It will also take time to recover our emotional balance and rebuild our life. However, there are some ways that we can help ourselves and those around us to cope with the emotional backlash of trauma and find a new way to move forward with our life. Remember what I said earlier that there is no right or wrong way to feel. People will react in different ways to trauma. So I must not tell myself or anyone else that we should be thinking or we should be feeling or we should be doing other than what we're doing. Try not to ignore or avoid your feelings. It will be a slow recovery. It may seem better in the moment to avoid experiencing our emotions, but they exist whether we're paying attention to them or not, or whether we like them or not. Even intense feelings will pass if we simply allow ourselves to feel what we feel when we feel it. We must also try to avoid obsessively reliving the traumatic event. Because if we continue to relive it in our heads over and over, almost non-stop, this will overwhelm our nervous system and making it much harder for us to think clearly about anything else. In other words, our head will be full with no room for anything other than the trauma and its effects. One of the things that I would say would be to try and get involved in activities that keep our minds occupied, like reading, watching a movie, cooking, playing with our kids or visiting somebody that we care about. Of course, in the present climate with social distancing, of course. Doing this will mean that we are not giving all our energy and attention to the traumatic event. We must re-establish some of the routine or scheduling for our day because there's comfort in the familiar. We know that from world disasters that getting back well, as much as possible, to a normal routine helps us to minimise stress, anxiety and hopelessness. So even if our work or our family routine is disrupted, we can try to structure our day with regular times for eating, sleeping, spending time with each other and relaxing. However, take note, do not make life-changing decisions. Put them on the shelf for now. Because when we're trying to make big life decisions about home, work or family, while we are still in the emotions around a trauma, we will only increase the stress in our life. If we can, we must try to wait for the time when things have settled down and we have our emotional balance back and where we're able to think with a clear head. Now I want to answer something that somebody asked me yesterday about trauma bonding. Now to explain a little bit about trauma bonding, in psychotherapy and in most psychology fields, 
Bonding would refer to a connection or an attachment that would grow between two people, but from a positive sense, where they spend a lot of time together. Um, you might notice um, feelings of bonding after going through, let's say, a really difficult period with your partner or a friend, or going through, a, you know, a positive uh, event. In other words, you would feel closer to them, more loyal. However, trauma bonding refers to being emotionally attached to somebody, but not to the kindest of persons or friend, but to an abuser. It is the negative side of the positive bonding. And it keeps us loyal, for want of a better word, to a destructive situation or relationship. The other person, in this case the abuser, would use cycles of abuse and then almost give you a reward to keep you trapped psychologically and emotionally in that relationship. So what would the signs of trauma bonding be? Well, one of the things is that you would feel very stuck and powerless in the relationship, but you try to make the best of it. There would be a sense of somewhere deep down within yourself, there would be moments that you don't even know if you like or trust that person, yet you can't leave. It could be that the relationship is so complex and would involve a promise. I promise things will get better. I promise I won't do this. I promise to get a better job. I promise when I get a job, things will be different. I promise I'll marry you one day, blah, 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 blah. You know they are sometimes abusive, but you focus on the good in them. Or you think that you can somehow change them so that they aren't emotionally or physically abusive. Your friends and family may have even advised you to leave the relationship, but yet you stay. You may find yourself defending the relationship to others, especially if the others are criticising it. And you may have even tried to leave, but you feel physically ill if you do, or that your life will be destroyed. The other person may constantly let you down, but you still believe the promises. Some examples of trauma bonding would be where the obvious one is where a child is being abused by an adult. The adult abuses the child and then tells that child that they're special, they're wonderful, they're beautiful, and maybe even they'll go out and buy them a toy. And then the adult abuses them again. So eventually, after several cycles of this, the child is confused. And they might start to experience fear, but with excitement at the same time. So eventually the child can develop behaviours such as choosing to go to see the abuser, even if they're afraid of them. Now, you can have a partner who's an alcoholic or a drug addict who goes in and out of recovery and in and out of rehab. This can be a form of trauma bonding because we live on the good moments. And when we or they fall off the wagon, we stick it out on the promise that one day they'll sober up or get clean. Now, as adults, trauma bonding can be far more subtle. We can be in a relationship where we're, I suppose, verbally criticised or abused, let down and manipulated. And sometimes our partner is so wonderful, we stick it out. Eventually, we do try to leave, but we can't. We feel we can't cope without the abusive partner, and we rush back no matter what people say. You have the same thing in domestic violence. So other examples of trauma bonding would include, we'll say, a cult member with cult leaders and hostages with kidnappers. 
How does it happen? Traumatic events or experiences will put you into a survival mode where your primal fight, flight, freeze or fawn will be triggered. Your body will be in a constant or intermittent high, which will make you feel almost numb or disassociated, which will also mean that you won't think clearly. You'll be working from your survival instincts, not logic. Why are some people more susceptible to trauma bonding? Well, if you've suffered abuse as a child or even neglect and have never sought the help that you need to heal that wound, you're more likely to be attracted or to attract the relationships that repeat the cycle of trauma bonding. If you're listening to this, you can begin to see how human bonding can be because of unresolved past trauma. Remember, it is not your fault, nor does it make you in any way, shape or form weak or unintelligent if you cannot leave somebody that you are trauma bonded with. Remember that your brain and your physiology are the cycles of attachment and addiction that anyone would struggle to break. And if you need help breaking them, then you need to ask for help. You need to listen to the people around you that care about you. Stay safe. Stay well. Namaste.